Sean, I'm Ed, and we're doing some baseball. We are. We are a baseball history podcast. Bi-weekly baseball history. Bi-weekly history. Bi-weekly history baseball, uh, where two friends get together. One tells a story to the other about baseball history. It could be a person or an event or a series, series, possibly. Uh, If you listen to our last episode, uh, we talked about a very exciting series. Yeah, the 2002 World Series specifically, but kind of the whole season for the... Well, the lead-up with the Angels. It was about the Angels for the most part. It was basically the the Angels... You kind of touched on a lot of things. You touched on, like, the Angels, their whole season. You did a lot of talk on Barry Bonds' monstrous World Series in 2002 that's kind of overshadowed by the fact that they didn't win. They they didn't, and Bonds never won. That's right. Um absolutely go back and look at that one uh wherever you're listening to this uh if you could give us a like or a review uh that would be fantastic a rating whatever you could do for it uh yeah encourage your friends to listen on whatever platform they find and of course thanks for listening thanks for listening edzie's bringing us a story today uh i have no idea what i'm about to hear i'm pretty excited though yeah um yeah well we've got pretty much like a more than a full year of stories so far uh this one i wasn't sure how long this one was going to be originally this was probably going to be an extra innings episode but it ended up being longer than i anticipated so it's probably going to be a short episode but it's still going to be a full episode so um you know like i say we've been doing this we've got about a year's worth of episodes going on and we don't have a lot of stuff from recent history your last story was probably the what second most recent second story most we've recent. done yeah um we've tried hard to avoid too many stories from one era in an attempt to keep things fresh and interesting we don't really have too many parameters like we no. never really even discussed like what's our definition of history no no but like we were saying before for this month with the end of the world series and us baseball fans now entering into the off season we thought uh, we'd get into some stories of the fall classic, having it fresh in our minds. Absolutely. But, uh, Sean, I got to say I'm sorry. Okay. I ventured back to the turn of the 20th century <laughs> once again. Okay. <laughs> We're going back to the 1800s. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> sort of. We do for a bit. But anyway, so the World Series as we know it today, the modern era World Series, we'll call it, yep. began in 1903. Okay. It was the competition at the season's end between the National League champion and the American League champion, as we know. Yes. Because that's how it exists now. The uh, format wasn't officially adopted until 1905, when the dignitaries in both leagues came to an agreement that needed to be negotiated after no World Series was played in 1904. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Yes, that might be an episode in the future. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but let's start with the origins of the contest. Uh-huh. So up until 1882, there was only one league in existence that represented the pinnacle of the baseball world. So yeah. there were other leagues, but there was this, this, there was only one that was at the top of the game. Yep. Um, 
from 1871 until 1875, it existed as the National Association of Professional Baseball Players. And then from 1876 onward as the National League of Professional Baseball Clubs. You can hear more about the specifics of that name change in our two-part episode on John Ward and the Brotherhood War of 1890. But in short, the slight name change from being a league of players to a league of clubs was significant. It, uh, that move created a division between the players and those that owned the teams for which they played that would spur the animosity that ultimately lead John Ward to form the Brotherhood of Professional Baseball Players. Yeah, and the Players League and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, and you can, that's episode 20 and 21. And it's got still some. going on to this day. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> so there's only one league. Mm-hmm. And its world champion baseball club was just the team who, at the end of the season, had the best record among the teams in that league. Yep. So no no postseason series was nope. required. Uh, but then, in 1882, the American Association forms, so there's some competition in the baseball world. Uh, that season, the Chicago White Stockings took the National League title by three games, and in the new American Association... Cincinnati's Red Stockings won their league quite handily by 13 games. The two clubs faced off in an unofficial series with the Reds taking the first contest 4-0. The White Stockings were able to fight back and even the series in Game 2 with a 2-0 victory, but ultimately Cincinnati would drop out of the series after only two games. What? Yeah, facing threat of expulsion from the American Association. Yeah, okay. So, basically, they're not... The leagues are operating as separate entities, and they don't like each other, so this this contest was kind of... Well, not kind of. It was put together by the owners of these two teams, so the league was like, hey, man, like... Well, there's another you know, there's another episode where, where like, it's just like seems to be like more of like a gentleman's agreement that the the leagues will play each other at the end of the year than like actual like organized right it's just like oh well right i own this team we won our league like maybe Mm -hmm. we should play you Mm -hmm. well that's exactly how it works it's not like done there's no governing body or anything it's just the owners of these two teams uh organizing a game a contest at the end of the season but in this case i guess the american association didn't not down we're not down with with uh i guess cincinnati helping chicago make money i guess by playing against them or whatever their reason is anyway so with the leagues with the two leagues still warring for position in the new business of baseball there was no series between league champions for 1883 However, beginning in 1884, there were a number of disorganized world championship series over the next few years. And when I say disorganized, Mm -hmm. I mean that, like we were talking about before, there was no standard to the length of the series (laughs) as the terms, they were just agreed upon by the respective owners of the championship clubs uh, from each league and were not actually sanctioned by any sort of governing body. For example... The 1884 series was a three-game series between the National League champion Providence Grays Mm -hmm. and the American Association champion New York Metropolitans. Providence swept the series three games to none, notably on the back of Old Haas Radburn, 
who pitched with the hand of God in 1884. Absolutely. Like, just, that's an, we got another episode on him, but just to, like, refresh a little bit of his stats, he was 60 and 12 with 678.2 innings pitched with 441 strikeouts in 1884. So, that was unequaled forever. Okay. So, that was a three game series in 1884. Uh, but in 1887, the Detroit Wolverines laid waste to the St. Louis Browns 10 games to 5 in a ridiculous marathon 15-game series. <laughs> How long do you want to play for? A couple of games? Well, it's weird to me that they like play like it's not a best of kind of situation. They're just like, we're playing 15 games, and just if it's 15 two weeks. and 0, yeah. How many games can we get in in two weeks? Pretty much. <laughs> so that was like the kind of the outlier of being one that was super long. But anyway, yeah. so in 1885. The series ended in a 3-3-1 tie. Interesting. That's right. A tie. tie. It was a seven-game series. Game one was called in the eighth inning at a tied score due to darkness. Uh Uh-huh. Game two was awarded to Chicago after the Browns refused to continue playing after disputing an umpire's call. (laughs) So game two, they were just like, they're just out of there. I'm off the field. Yeah. And throwback to another episode of the your story on tim hurst yeah uh like this was an era uh where the umpires were supposedly well-respected men and it was a big thing to dispute their calls yeah umpires in those days were almost like a judge in the way people regarded them Uh uh-huh uh so um yeah so that was kind of a big deal for them to just walk off the field and you dispute know. this umpire's uh, yeah. honor. But it clearly didn't get them anywhere because they just gave the game to Chicago anyhow. So Yeah, well, that was dumb. Yeah, so the series continued to a tie as the last game came to a close on October 24th. Both teams apparently dispute this series and claim themselves as champions <laughs> for 1885. That is amazing. Yeah, so... Uh, the Browns won the rematch in six games at the end of 1886. Uh-huh. Uh, in 1888, the Browns returned to the dance, but lost a 10-game series, 6-4, to four, to the New York Giants. And in 1889, the Giants would go back-to-back, taking down the Brooklyn Bridegrooms, yep. one of the great names in history, 6-3 mm-hmm. uh, to three in a best of 11 series. And fun fact, do you want to know why they're called the Bridegrooms? Why? Because a lot of the guys on the team got married the year that they decided to form the team. <laughs> Don't have a name yet? No. <laughs> I'll think about it at your weddings this weekend. <laughs> yeah. That's literally what... I thought it was like a horse reference or something. Yeah, but. I mean, that makes more sense than just like... But no, no. It was literally because a bunch of the guys on the team got married that year. Interesting. Okay. So, um, 1889 Giants would go back-to-back, taking down Bridegroom, 6-3, best of 11 series. And then, of course, as we know, and as you can find out in our 20th episode about the Players League in the 1890 series, was one that sparks debate about whether you could really call the 1890 World Series champions the best in the world, Mm -hmm. as it was really between the National League champion Brooklyn Bridegrooms and the American Association champion Louisville Colonels, both of which declined challenges from the Players League champion Boston Reds, Mm. who was probably the best team of the three. Most likely the better. Yeah. 
Um, in any case, the series between Brooklyn and Louisville ended with another World Series tie. Brooklyn would take the first two games. The third was called at a tied score for darkness. No lights in these days. Louisville battled back in game four, but would drop the fifth contest, falling behind three games to one with one tie. The Colonels took game six as well to force a game seven, and since game three had been called a tie in the dark, both teams agreed that if Louisville could win the seventh game and not the series, a one-game showdown would be played at the start of the 1891 season to decide the champion as the late October weather was deteriorating more and more as the days went by. So they're like, game eight, but like in April. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So the Colonels won and uh-huh. forced the eighth game, but due to fallouts among the leagues after the Players League collapse in the Brotherhood War and team raiding in the aftermath, animosity between the two remaining leagues grew and the game was never played. So, uh, yeah, so if you don't know, if you're listening and you don't know, like the after the Players League collapsed in 1890, yeah. there was an agreement that the association, American Association teams and the National League teams wouldn't raid each other's rosters for players anymore. But they, they did. They did. They so, absolutely did. Yeah. So that's the animosity we're talking about. So, so then they, they won't play each other. They're yeah. like, screw it. We'll just leave it as a tie. And it's just forever that's, gone as a tie in history. That's right. So then, as we know, the the American Association was crushed by the National League in the Association War of 1891, mm-hmm. and the National League was left a monopoly on baseball for a decade. Because now they're back to being the only team in town again. So during those years, the format existed pretty much in the same fashion until the introduction of divisional play, where simply the team with the best record at the end of the season would be crowned league champion. With the exception of one season in 1892, where the champions of half-season schedules faced off in a series at the season's end. Which is kind of an interesting... Like, so it would be the first championship series, kind of. Kind of, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Sort of. I mean, like, it would be, you know, you were the division champion after the first half of the season. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then it resets. Yeah. And, and whoever goes, Well, they've done again. that. They, it's yeah. happened again. And did there that in is the some, 80s, I yeah, believe, yeah, yeah. in a strike there is, sort and there shortened is, year. There is also different, like, pen leagues and stuff like that that have the, right, the same right, format. Right. I mean, but it's, it's an interesting, it, it definitely is not something I think most fans enjoy. No, no, it was abandoned by the 1893, oh, yeah. so they only did it for that one season. So, in short, the National League champion was considered the world champion, as theirs was the only league thought to be major at the time. Mm-hmm. That is, until they allowed the American League to exist as a second major league in 1901. Mm -hmm. However, no championships were played between the leagues until 1903, when the modern era World Series as we know it was born. However, it was originally imagined not as it exists today, 
but as a number of series between clubs from the respective American and National Leagues. Uh, so once again, they're making it about themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll just get the leagues and then the owners of the leagues will get trophies. Yes. Or the owners of the club. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> That's in, why it is, damn it. <laughs> yeah. In one of these matchups, the Pittsburgh Pirates of the National League faced off against the Boston Americans of the American League. Yeah. And it was a best of nine series. Mm-hmm. And it was not specifically because these two teams were the pennant winners of their leagues as the contest had been arranged by both owners much earlier in the season. So they just halfway through the year, these two owners decided, hey, we're going to play each other at the end of the year. Okay. Right? To their credit, both teams were leading their leagues by large margins when the agreement was reached. So I guess they kind of assumed, like, <laughs> we're going to win, so we'll play each other at the end of the year. But, you know, it it's not because they won yeah. or anything. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Much to the surprise of both the baseball men and the general public, the Boston squad was able to upset the Pirates five games to three with the help of their pitching length from Cy Young and Bill Deneen and from support of the Royal Rooters Band. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. Uh, And I I don't have a lot of uh, writing about it in here, but I learned that... I, I don't know how we didn't like discover this when we were actually at the Royal Rooters Club in, in Boston yeah. in 2015, but like apparently, I'm not sure if it actually originated in Boston, but it was common for there to be bands uh-huh. in like the third baseline of stadiums back in the day, and it started just by people sneaking instruments into the game and then just playing them and and it like fucking with the opposing team so i guess the owners of the home teams were like all right that's that's, that's cool. fine we'll allow that what are you sneaking in there it's a snare drum oh, is that a flute is that a flute in your sleeve no you sneaking i'm in not skiing again jim no it's a fiddle i'm not prepared <laughs> okay so uh, Royal Rooters Band. It was a point of civic pride that the American League team was able to upset the more established National League. <laughs> so the Boston people are stoked that their team won over the more established league. I, I, guess. I just love that they're like, just it's like early 1900s. Like, like, we all know what to do when they get men on. We play a waltz, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the pitcher starts dancing. He gets wild. We get more base runners. <laughs> and when they're when they're down, we play in D minor. It's D- the saddest key. <laughs> <laughs> so, the World Series is on its way, right? 1903, leagues are getting together. There was no World Series in 1904, like we said. Mm-hmm. Collateral damage in a personal quarrel between two of the most powerful men in baseball at the time. Uh-huh. John McGraw and Ban Johnson. Ban Johnson. Ban Johnson. As opposed to Fam- Jan Johnson. <laughs> Famous great great grandfather of Jan Johnson. Yeah. The best Buffalo Bison. Yeah, if you know who Jan Johnson is, it's an inside joke. It's, it's a guy who used to Dan play. Dan Johnson, everybody. Yeah, Dan, Dan Johnson. Johnson. Dan Johnson. Shout out to Tampa Dan Bay John. fame. And, yeah. Uh, uh, okay, so McGraw had taken a struggling New York Giants club and reinvented it into a perennial powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Johnson had risen from relative obscurity as an executive to become one of the most powerful men in the world of baseball. Johnson had been elected president of the faltering Western League in 1893 at the urging of his friends Charles Comiskey and John T. Brush, 
who were the field manager and owner of the Cincinnati Red Stockings, respectively. From this position, Johnson criticized the National League for having a rowdy atmosphere, which was alienating families and women. Uh, I would also like to note that, like, the idea of the the rowdy atmosphere at the games. I've been reading Playing for Keeps by Warren Goldstein, uh-huh. and I give that to you as well, but it talks a lot about, like, the social aspect of baseball at the yeah. turn of the century. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And um, the idea at the time, women were encouraged to attend the games a lot. Okay. Not, like not because they necessarily wanted to include women, but because they believed that men would act more civilized in the presence of women. So, (laughs) Well, we did have men climbing down onto the field with pistols for bad calls. Right, that's true. Put a couple of broads in the front row. They can't knock. They'd have to be excusing themselves. and They just wouldn't. By the time they got on the field to kill the umpire, they just would have been all worn out by being so chivalrous. Yeah, that's pretty much. (laughs) Bring in some women, and that'll that'll keep the men under control. These men are getting out of hand. That's pretty much exactly what their mentality about it was. I love the, the, the patriarchy. Back in the day, I'm just yeah. like, we'll just throw some women in with these out of control men, and that will just solve that'll, the problem. Calm it won't down. cause problems for anyone that we consider a human being. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, so Johnson set about making baseball more friendly to both women and families. Johnson supported his umpires unconditionally and had little tolerance for players or managers who failed to show them respect. Johnson also fined and suspended players who used foul language on the field. The Western League was quickly recognized as the strongest minor league, but also as the most effectively managed league in all of baseball. But Johnson had a bigger plan. Charles Comiskey buys the Sioux City franchise and moves it to St. Paul in 1894 after he left the Reds. And after the 1899 season, the National League dropped franchises in Baltimore, Cleveland, Louisville, and Washington, D.C., which left those cities open to be destinations for American League clubs. Uh, Grand Rapids moved to Cleveland to become the Indians. Mm -hmm. Comiskey then moved the St. Paul team to Chicago, which became the White Sox. Uh, with the unqualified success of the 1900 season, Johnson was given a 10-year contract extension as league president. That October, he withdrew the American League from the National Agreement, which we also talk about in previous episodes. And it's <laughs> the gentleman agreement between the owners of both leagues not to make attempts to lure players from one league over to the other, which, from what we all know... These rules were not being respected by either side anyways, so the news of this was likely more a public relations release or yeah. leak, you know? Well, I mean, at the time, like, because of the, the clause, like, they couldn't change teams within their own league, so the only mm-hmm. way the player had any power was by leaving leagues. Right. And then those assholes were just like, well, if we just make a gentleman's agreement, then they players mm-hmm. have no power whatsoever. Yeah, that's right. But it still happened. Yeah, it definitely still happened. It still happened because you know, usually it happened with like superstar players, like you know Delahanty or whatever. Yeah. But um, 
Okay, so then on January 28, 1901, he declared the American League would operate as a major league and place teams in Baltimore, Boston, Philadelphia, and Washington. The National League limited salaries to $2,400 for 1901, Mm -hmm. a low sum even by the day's standards. This was a critical blunder. Johnson, Comiskey, and the other American League owners raided National League rosters in response, as they could promise disgruntled players much higher salaries in the American League. Over 100 players jumped to the new league. After a two-year war in which the American League trounced the National League in attendance both seasons, the National League sued for peace. So, Literally or figuratively? <laughs> I believe literally <laughs> just stop taking our players yeah uh probably got some kind of injunction because that seemed to be the way of the national yeah. league owners well, at they the time. probably well they probably once again gentlemanly were like look yeah we'll play our players a little better if we can all just oppress them equally <laughs> yeah we can all have equal oppression over these men yeah come on <laughs> We had an agreement. You broke it. (laughs) We were trying to pay them less than they were worth. (laughs) Yeah. So this this warring between the leagues obviously uh, contributed to the already bad blood between Johnson and McGraw, which had actually started back when Johnson gave McGraw a player manager's job Mm -hmm. with the Baltimore American League Club in 1901. Yep. uh, Because the Orioles folded from the National League, and then uh, Johnson started a new American League club in Baltimore and made McGraw the manager. Despite how that sounds, like, you know, giving him a good opportunity or yeah. whatever, McGraw had a reputation for having the kind of attitude Johnson was trying to keep out of his American League. And soon the two men were at odds and butted heads often. McGraw ultimately returned to the National League to helm the Giants in 1902. So uh, he was like, I'm out of here. You gave me this job, and that's great. You but set me up to fail. Yeah. Don't you know I like to curse on the field? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, you curse and spit. <laughs> Get these women out of here. <laughs> Stupid children. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so after pulling out of the national agreement, the two leagues are in a bitter competition with one another. Mm-hmm. Poaching player contracts from each other left and right. It's pretty ugly. So in 1903, they attempt to make nice and have this series between Pittsburgh and Boston. And like I mentioned too, there were like other series as well between teams that weren't the pennant champions. Yeah. Like interleague series or whatever, but this is the main one. Um, so they had that series and like it was Boston upset them or whatever. So then in 1904, before the season began brush who had sold his stake in Cincinnati in the American Association, and was now the principal owner of the National League Giants, mm-hmm. the man who drafted the brush system, if you remember that from the Brotherhood War episode, which is that five-category system, yep. which is really only three, and then the last two were very arbitrary and subjective. So, you know, overall shitty dude. Because yeah. you could just like be like, you're shitty. I'm going to pay you less. Less, yeah. <laughs> I don't like your the quality of your character, you know? Like, <laughs> your shoelace is untied. You didn't That's open the door for me long enough, you know? <laughs> you, were, you were too far away. Anyway. I so, don't like your shoes. Yeah, so no doubt, uh, hurt by the actions of his former colleagues, Comiskey and Johnson state, uh, stated that... Sorry. 
sorry, no doubt hurt by the actions of his former colleagues Comiskey and Johnson, Brush stated that, quote, his National League club would not play the American League club if each wins the pennant in its respective league. He's talking about the other New York team, which, mm-hmm. yep. um, which was an obvious contradiction to the preseason agreement for a championship series between the leagues that was seen in 1903. So he's just throwing away whatever they decided in 1903 before the season even before starts the season in, even starts in 1904 yeah because the new york highlanders are like the cross they eventually became the yankees yes they're like the cross town rivals and and you know mcgraw doesn't think highly of the american league mostly because johnson runs it but yeah. like he's so the giants declined to meet the champions of the junior or minor league uh, McGraw said his Giants were already the world champions because they were the champions of the quote only real major league. Ah, so now he's just he's just throwing some shade on the American League. Yeah, so he's saying there's no point for us in playing them because they're not a big deal. They're not. Know? Yeah, who cares yeah. about them? Yeah. So the Giants maintain that the rules for the World Series were haphazardly defined. The World Series was not a compulsory event at the time and was not governed by an authority authoritative body thus the giants were free to refuse to participate in such an event so they're not really breaking any laws or anything just so uh, wait the giants are nationally yeah the giants are the national league team the more established league. yeah 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 so they yeah just want to make sure they're right so they're just like saying fuck the al yeah fuck the american league yeah so i i don't know why he like specifically talks about the highlanders but Mm -hmm. i guess it's just because it's the crosstown rival or whatever but the people hating Yankee hating before the Yankees. I guess, even. yeah. I mean, they didn't even win. Like Boston came and snuck in and won the division anyway. But they didn't. Uh, they didn't end up playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but it was not without criticism from both fans and writers. And the Giants felt it at the gates the following year. Uh, many weren't impressed by the Giants' no thanks attitude. This time. John Brush and company were eager to take on the American League champion athletics from Philadelphia after a National League race in which the Giants won 105 games. Wow. The series would be contested under guidelines drawn up by the Giants' owner, known as the Brush Rules. Yes. So, you know, he's now saying, we'll participate. He, he got hit at the gate, so now he's saying, we better participate. But yeah. these are the rules and stipulations that we want to drop and a lot of them are still part of it today and that's kind of what we're okay. like getting to so but, he gets to the what are, what are the you have the rules yeah well per, not all of them but the ones that are important that yeah. kind of get it. one rule was that the player shares would come from a portion of the gate receipts for the first four games only oh that's bullshit but yeah well it is but it's not it's not fully done, right? Well, so, I mean, it kind of makes sense because then there's no incentive for that's them. That's right. Exactly. This was to discourage teams from yes. fixing early games in order to prolong the series and make more money. Exactly. All right. Receipts that, that... for later games would be split among the two clubs and the National Commission, the okay. governing body for the sport, which was able to cover much of its annual operating expense from the World Series revenue. All right. Yeah. Well, that makes so sense. that was smart. So yeah. if it goes, so you get your your gate money for your first two games because there'd be two and two, yeah. I guess, or whatever. Then anything after that, it's yeah, divided they, equal. Yeah. So so nobody has any incentive to uh, 
to throw games and make it a seven-game series. Yes. Uh, most importantly, the now official and compulsory World Series matches were operated strictly by the National Commission itself, not by the participating clubs. So it doesn't sound like there's like really a whole lot of rules to it. It just kind of has to do with the revenue from the games and then that it's no longer an agreement between two clubs. So there's like a set number of games and you know, yeah. So they're actually, it's, it's coming into shape. It's the modern world series forming. Yeah. With the new rules set and the national commission now governing McGraw and the giants made it back to the 1905 world series and beat the A's four games to one. Since then, the series has been held every year, except 1994 player strike It's canceled due. Mm-hmm. Two and the name of the event, initially known as the World's Championship Series, gradually shortened in common usage to World Series, and by the 1930s to World Series itself was born. Nice. So that's like... That's how the World yeah. Series happened. Yeah, that's how hey. it kind of came to be the seven-game series that it was, and there was a lot of bullshit in between there. <laughs> there was a lot of years where there, there was a decade where there wasn't the World Series, and even for the decade before that, it just existed in a crazy sideshow of, like, you know, inconsistency. Inconsistency, yeah, just the, and the National League just being like, whatever, we're the best. Mm-hmm. So Always. so much National League superiority. And then the Yankee hate. Like, it was great. I I knew. I would say I had I had highlighted that the 1904 uh, cancellation of the World Series mm-hmm. as a potential, and maybe we'll dig into that deeper, like yeah. way later. But like that was a very good summary. I was like, oh shit, he's going there. All right, like, mm-hmm. that's. I mean, it's it's wild to think of just just that whole time and and how it came to be, and just the fact that it's still going on. The, the, the players and the owners are still fighting each other. Well, no, just the whole thing. I mean, it's just it's just amazing to to see that it, you know there haven't hasn't been a lot of change since then, right? Like no. there's been slowly more and more playoffs have kind of been added to it, right? Yeah, yeah. but it's still still the AL versus the NL. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's I guess it's just purist, right? But. I don't know. It doesn't like really need to be changed too much. I don't think. I liked the expanded playoffs this year. I'm not gonna lie, but yeah. Well, um, I mean, as as long as it's still two games or two teams, <laughs> two games. As long as it's two game or two teams, seven game series. Like that's just the ultimate. And and that's the thing. I think like basketball and hockey essentially just copied that in mm. the long run, right? Like the seven I game guess. series I is guess, such yeah. a perfect. Oh, it's it's it is perfect. I think five is too short and, and nine, nine is, is way too, too long. long. Yeah. And fifteen is definitely yeah, that is insane. Too long. Yeah, especially when you let it go to ten and five. Like he's already dead. Like just you know. <laughs> oh, anyway, man. so uh, we didn't talk about it at the start of the episode, but follow us on Twitter at doing baseball and Instagram at doing dot baseball. Yeah, and give us a like or a review. Uh, share some love uh, tell your friends and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks and it'll be almost Christmas yeah oh my god oh my god alright I'm Sean and I'm Ed and we were doing baseball okay bye take care bye.